Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. So, what happened to Bellacor upon his return to the realm of chaos after the great vortex of the elves drew the winds of magic out of our world and into the ether, robbing he and the other demons of their sustenance? Ah, oh, well, my mentor, the Venerable Bede, told me that Bellacor was indeed drawn back into the Sea of Souls and the awaiting embrace of the dark gods, disappearing from the annals of man for a time. During this time, some of our most gifted truthsayers embarked on spirit journeys beyond the veil to uncover what had happened to our greatest foe. And through this, they learned of the fate of Bellacor. <sighs> well, for an age, Bellacor's spirit remained trapped in the realm of chaos, drifting without anchor. Penance for his uh, untrustworthiness. Throughout this, he ever yearned to return to the mortal world and the glories of his past. Again and again, he beseeched the dark gods to send him forth, to conquer in their name, but they ignored him satisfied to see him squirm in the limbo that they had left him in. Until, at last, he grew desperate and, finally, feigning repentance, he begged. He begged them for forgiveness and prostrated himself in front of the Chaos Gods. But they would not be deceived again, and although they ostensibly forgave him, in reality the four brothers devised a suitably cruel punishment for the first prince. In the wake of the coming of the vortex to our world, demons could only manifest on the mortal plane during the periods that the winds of magic blew strongest. This too should have been true for Belagor, but uh, he was kept from crossing over. The chains of the changer of the ways binding him in place. Instead, he was only permitted to leave the realm of chaos and return to the realm of mortals at the behest of the dark gods themselves, and then only to perform but a single task. And even this was exceedingly rare. And this task was to crown a mortal 
champion of the dark pantheon has the ever-chosen of chaos. Ah, now, uh, I'm sorry, Cedric. Can I just uh, stop you there a moment in your telling? What are these um, ever-chosen? I know the word, for it too was the subject of a sea shanty I used to sing. But uh, I am... Um, I have the feeling that I had no idea what I was singing about. Och, twas a dark tune that you must have been singing there, my friend. For the uh, ever-chosen is no worthy subject for verse and song. Each is the pinnacle at the top of the trudge to true damnation. They are the mortal avatars of the undivided dark powers. Though, like we depart from demon princes, for they still retain their own form. Indeed, each of these uh, rare individuals is actually elected not to become a demon prince at all and slave to any one power. Rather, they become uh, what Belacor was supposed to have been, for it is they that are the unifiers of the followers of chaos, both mortal and neverborn, and it is they whose role it is to conquer all of the world in the name of their foul gods and feed their unquenchable thirst for the souls of the living. They are the chosen of the dark powers, each the great antagonist to all that is light and good in the world. Ah, I see. But, Cedric, you speak as if there have been many. Ach, indeed. Every couple of centuries, a mortal champion rises to receive the greatest blessings of chaos and become a new lord of the uh, end times. The chaos gods unite and bestow their gifts and boons upon each, weighing them down so that the very ground cracks and fractures beneath their feet and the air rolls about them. In return, each of these great warlords has brought war, plague, famine and death to our fated place. Up to this point in time, there have been eight champions that have borne the title of the Ever Chosen, and though each was defeated, the rise of another is inevitable. Indeed, it is foretold. In point of fact, the ancient truthsayer known as the Brahan Seer predicted the rise of thirteen in all. Twelve times the ever-chosen will lead the beasts ferocious across the rivers. The greater part will crash against the cities of ice and Sigmar's realm. And into this cage of iron will the great emperors be drawn. But for the children of Chaos... There will be nothing, only slaughter without victory, until from the depths of the God King's own shall come the dreaded thirteenth, a young child begot and born of slaughter and strife, who by his will shall take the darkest artefacts of his forebears and his fame 
and followers will increase until, at last, he leads the beasts once more and destroys us all. Ach, but this is simply prophecy, though. Who knows if there's any truth to it? But uh, having said all this, I'd wager that you, Septimus, already know of at least one of the ever-chosen, even if you did not know that he was such. Surely, as I know your dissertation at university was the life and times of a Sigmar Heldenhammer, you must know the name Morkar. What? Morkar? Morkar, the uniter of chaos. Morkar was an ever-chosen. Oh, indeed. He most definitely was. In fact, he was the first. But we need not talk about him, as you know of his fate. More than I, I'd wager. Oh, yeah, Master Tavernkeeper? Ah, yes, indeed. But it is a long tale, and not one to embark on at this particular point. Cedric, what of these uh, other ever-chosens, then? Who were they? Ach, well, I have to admit, I'm no expert in all this. But uh, I do know the name of the second, at least. He was a, he was a man named Vangel. Ah, Vangel. I know him, too. One of the Norse on the old whaling boat once told me the tale of how he... Uh, bound one of the greater demons of the dark gods, a demon known as Uzul, into a magical sword he called the Slayer of Kings. Ach, that's right. And also, as it happens, uh, there was this time I got drinking with some dwarfs in my apothecary, and uh, they told me that this Vangel actually met his end at the hands of the dwarf king, Gromlier, Goldfist, back in the day. But uh, anyhow, perhaps uh, we should get back to what my master, the Venerable Bede, was telling us about uh, Bellacor, for his fate was now inextricably linked to that of these uh, ever-chosen. Bellacor was forced to conduct his first dark coronation before the dawn of the Empire of Sigma. This first ever chosen was called Morkar and had raised a great army. He was tasked by the dark gods with making our world a bauble, a plaything for his masters, and he would begin by leading his armies against the tribes of the south who had expelled his own tribe, the Norsai. Against his will, Bellacor was forced to place the ancient crown of domination upon the head of Morgar, crowning him as the ever-chosen of the Pantheon. Before the demon prince was able to flee from the event, screaming in rage as the winds of magic swelled about him. And in this state, Bellacor descended into his own personal realm of madness, leaving Morkar to his 
fate. This was the last time he was allowed to wallow in his wasteful, angry self-pity, though. After the coronation of the second ever chosen, Vangal, a lifetime later, Bellacor was compelled by the dark powers into smothering subservience and to pour his rage upon the world as he acted as the advisor to the ever-chosen. It was Bellacor that was forced to lead the demonic forces of the ever-chosen. This he did, although he would twist every command and attempt to thwart the schemes of the ever-chosen if he was given the tiniest, tiniest bit of leeway. Some say it was Bellacor's twisting in his role that indirectly helped the dwarves defeat Vangel and his hordes. With the death of the ever-chosen, though, Bellacor was not freed as he had hoped, and instead he was drawn back into his prison in the realm of chaos and forced to await the next ever chosen. This time, though, Bellacor was not idle and instead reached out to the mortal world. He whispered through the veil into the dreams of the weak, the damaged, the mad, and the power-hungry, offering his own power and counsel if they would but only summon him unto them. Inevitably, some were drawn in by his honeyed words and foolishly believed Bellacor's promises, thinking themselves the master and he the humble servant. Such folly. Once given a gate into the mortal world, Bellacor would soon outthink and outmaneuver his summoner, seizing the means as his own, and immediately embark upon recapturing the glow of his glorious ancient dark lane. But these debacles seldom lasted long. Bellacor was weak. A shadow of his former self and the power at his command, but a fraction of that which he once had. And he was inevitably bested by one of those mortals who oppose the darkness. With each defeat, he was cast back into the realm of chaos, there to plot again. And those plots became ever more convoluted. It has come to my ears that he has emissaries. I believe that was the word the shipwrecked astromancer from Cathay used across the world. Although none in Albion, of course. These uh, emissaries, though, seek a body to house the first prince within be it living 
or a construction of more arcane means. His curse means he is incorporeal upon the plane of mortals. To escape this magical bind, he seeks power, such as a massive deposit of warpstone, perhaps, or to drain the magic from the web of the ley lines that run across the world. With such power, he could manifest in the mortal realm and escape his fate. For the punishment of the gods calls him greatly, and he will do anything to avoid crowning the next ever chosen. There is still cause for concern. With the power that lies upon our own isle, there are many on the council that believe Bellacor will inevitably come back to these shores and perhaps once more set his sights upon our holiest sites and the citadel of lead too. I confided all of this in my former student the young truth-sayer known as Kekis, and set him upon the task to search out the ancient stores of knowledge across the land and find a way into the citadel. But he has strayed in his quest, and with his weird followers, he scries the dark places, such as Ochness, in pursuit of this aim. There is much risk in such. Many seekers have been deceived in this way. I fear this apple has fallen far from the tree. I trust my apprentice. You will not follow him in this way. Although I suspect your heart and fate are destined also to fall far from here. And that is all I know of Bellacor. But uh, I suspect that his story is far from done. Ah, yes. From what you've said, I can only agree. But that is enough. Thank you, Cedric. I feel we have become experts on Albion in these uh, few hours of discussion. Would you not agree, Heinrich? Ah, yeah, yeah, most certainly, Master Tavernkeeper. But now I think it is time to finally wake the neophytes and get back to the deserts of Nehekara and the rebellion of Nagash, for that tale is still but half told. <laughs>